0: This is Karma Shenanigans, episode 608, Daredevil, a suggested reading list. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I'm your host Adam Chapman. This is a basically a general comic talk uh, episode. Uh, this episode is going up a little later than I would have originally liked. Uh, the past week, I have had uh, the absolute pleasure and a wonder of having to deal with a, a, a summer flu, uh, which I guess hit me on Tuesday, and uh, I guess yeah, halfway through Tuesday, and uh, kind of waylaid the episode you would have been listening to. Would have been a conversation with colorist Paul Mounts. Um, unfortunately we were scheduled for Tuesday and I was like, Oh, can we do Thursday or Friday? I'm hoping I'll have this, you know, sore throat will be out of control. I'm sorry, under control. Everything will be good. And then, uh, two days pass. I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe Friday, let's do Friday. And then on Friday I'm like, I am still dealing with this flu. And now at least I can more or less swallow for a while. I couldn't even swallow. My throat was so sore and i like running a fever and, uh, like chills and just like general weakness, like it was like, you look uh, at a list of typical symptoms for a fever, sorry, uh, typical symptoms for a flu, and I was just checking off every box, and every day I was like, oh, it's a new symptom, let's add that to the mix, um, so as I recorded this, it's, uh, I guess, Sunday the 9th of September. I'm still kind of in and out, and uh, you know I'm, I'm much better, but uh, as you can probably hear in my voice, my voice is sounding different now. Um, yeah, so I'm just kind of coming out the tail end of it, but it's been a rough week. Uh, so this is going to be a nice short episode, uh, just kind of a general comic talk. Uh, I was thinking about a bunch of different things I wanted to kind of chat about, or not even chat, just to kind of talk about and, uh, and touch over. And nothing really grabbed my fancy the way that I expected it to. Um, and so I was just going to talk about a few random things because one, uh, a great suggestion from uh, Eric Anthony of the comics, uh, sorry, of the cave of solitude podcast. Um, you know, it's funny on episode 600, my wife made fun of me cause I was getting her to introduce each segment of the episode. And, um, I wanted her, I was like, okay, you're going to introduce Eric Anthony from the cave of solitude, but I wanted to make sure I enunciated it so that she could hear, you know, and, the, the thing properly and so that she did then do it as well so i so I was a little over exaggerative when i said cave of solitude maybe not that deliberate but she took it that way so on the episode she deliberately goes <laughs> we have eric anthony of the cave of solitude podcast and um, so every time i hear his podcast now um hi hi eric how's it going um <laughs> I can't help but laugh because I remember her just in the back of my head, just saying "Cave of Solitude." So it's uh, it's stuck there. Anyways, he had mentioned that uh, a good episode uh, idea would have been a suggested kind of reading list episode, but I really wasn't sure what to do with that or where that would go. Um, it was a, g- a great idea, and I just I felt like I, I need to spend more time to kind of really get into it. But then I thought about it; it might be more fun to kind of do that on the fly, pick a character, and just kind of dive in, and some characters are harder, some characters are not, to do that, and I think probably, like, it's interesting, I was looking at some, like, Marvel characters, and I think some characters are really easy, um, like, I think Daredevil's kind of a remarkably easy character to do a suggested reading list, like, I feel like, you know, you could kind of just go with, you know, Frank Miller, you know, what you would get in the omnibus, um, which is basically you know his original run as as when he was writing it and doing you know, most most of the art, including issues where actually he's not the writer either. But um, basically from the moment he takes over the book as writer till the issue he leaves, which I think is around what, 190 or something, um, that's a pretty solid story that anyone can kind of get into. You know, get into the vibe. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's it, it's helpful that it's both hugely influential to the you know comics, but also to Daredevil as a character, and everything kind of comes from Miller. Um, it, unfortunate, because it almost makes it seem as if the previous 160 issues didn't matter, and obviously they do. They created the foundation for the character, um, his world, um, but is there anything super memorable about those issues? And I've read a lot of them, and they're fun, but they're not the same, you know? Whereas when you read... You know, the Frank Miller Daredevil, it's, it, that's the character, you know, and everything, everything comes from that as opposed to anything else. Like when you read Fantastic Four, there have been great runs, but like everything comes from Lee and Kirby and there's no mistaking that. And even some of the best runs I've I've read and enjoyed, like, um, obviously the burn run. Um, I'm a big fan of the, um, the Wade run with uh, Mike Ringo. I love Jonathan Hickman's run. Um... But, you know, nothing exists without, you know, the, 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 the those 101 issues that really create that entire world. But besides, this is Matt, this is Karen, this is Foggy. I mean, you know, Frank Miller just goes to town and reinvents and recreates. And he made, and Bullseye had already been around, but made him far more terrifying and, and visually stunning. Um, and he made Kingpin into the Kingpin we know today. Um, you know, the the original Kingpin was not in any way portrayed the way that we we're used to him being until Frank, Frank Miller took over. So I feel like, you know, when you're looking at Daredevil's suggested reading list, like you, you can't not say Frank Miller. Um obviously he's done a lot more than just that because then he did Born Again, which is, you know, amazing. It's still one of my favorite stories of all time. You have Man Without Fear, which again redefined his origin story. I have some issues with it. Um, I guess my main issue is just the over sexualization of Electra because she just was never portrayed that way in the original comics. Um, in, in terms of what she was like kind of pre the death of her father and what we kind of got a man without fear was a very different version of that. And then even though he wrote both of them, um, I kind of objected to that and didn't like it as much. Um, there's just something to the innocence of the original version of Electra compared to the kind of (laughs) much more overt, sexualization of the character in Man Without Fear. But, I mean, if you're looking at a suggested reading list, that's what I'd say. Um, the stuff by Anne Ascenti is is so good, but it's wordy. It's, you know, it goes way off the beaten path at times. Um, but, again, extremely enjoyable, but messed up as well. Like, there's some, some... Some of it's really good, and you also have to like John Reader Jr., because he really starts to find his artistic voice in a way that I don't think he had... Before that, um, not to say he wasn't a great artist because he was, um, but I think that's when he became John Romita Jr. Um, I don't know if he, that really makes a lot of sense to some people, but even if you read his um, his work on Amazing Spider Man in the '80s, like it, it, he wasn't Jr. Jr. yet. Like the Jr. Jr. JR we know today, um, in terms of some of the musculature, the way he poses certain characters, um, uh, there's just something to it. When you read some of his issues of Daredevil, you're like, well, that's that's the guy. I That's when I think of a JR JR image. That's the guy I'm thinking of. Um, It's really good, it's a good run, um, but it's weird and it's twisted, and there's a lot of ups and downs, and some of it works and some of it doesn't. And I would say, like, then Daredevil had kind of a weird period leading up to Chichester taking over uh, to lead up to Daredevil 300 because then you had a you know, some really good stuff in there. There's a great you know, fight when you have Daredevil and Bullseye fighting each other, but they're in each other's costumes, and they're both kind of having mental issues as well. And it's it's really strange, uh, but really good. And I, I've always loved that issue, but it's like it's weird. Um, am I suggesting a lot of people read it? No, I don't. And here's the thing: as good as Nesenti's run is, I feel like you could go from Born Again to Fall of the Kingpin or fo- um, without there being that much of a jarring kind of you know seismic shift. Um, not enough changes, um, uh, although really a lot of it does because of, you know, he's not with Karen anymore. Um, you know, his relationship with her been kind of destroyed because of Typhoid Mary, like so much has happened yet at the same point, you know, you could kind of read it without like, it gives you the beats. It gives you what you need. Uh, and then once issue 300 comes around and kind of sets up a whole new status quo, which does not last two years, um, you know within 2 years it all gets ripped down and it's, then it enters like really weird periods which so very good some of it is good some of it isn't and it's basically like very predicated on the period it was built like kind of made for um so i feel like again if i'm suggesting Daredevil stuff I'm, I'm looking at you know you got the original frank miller stuff you got born again you got uh last rights or fall of the kingpin um uh, with special mention to the innocent stuff but it's it's a great run but other specific stories that i would necessarily point at I guess the type the original Typhoid story, but again, it it, it kind of feels like it's just this big operatic ongoing storyline in a way that the others are not. Where like they're sorry, they are big and operatic, but you still had bite sized chunks that you felt satisfied after each issue, and you didn't necessarily have to read all of it in certain areas. Um, and then again, after Daredevil three hundred, I think he kind of skipped the next seventy five issues. Like I'm, and there's stuff in there I've enjoyed and and I will read and like. But really, you got Guardian Devil is when you know Daredevil comes back and becomes a character again um, that people really responded to. Suddenly, you had a top flight creative team. Um, you had Brian Michael Bendis. Sorry, what am I saying? It's Kevin Smith. What is wrong with me? Um, you could tell I'm sick. I'm obviously delirious with fever. Um, you have Kevin Smith, um, you know, and this is back in the days where everyone's kind of like, whoa, 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 he's a movie guy, he's writing a comic, he likes comics, what? Um, I, I kind of remember that being kind of the reaction from what I remember. Um, oh, that's the guy who did Mallrats, and they talk about comics in there. Oh, that's oh, that's cool. Um, then you have uh, Joe Cusada, you know, com- creating the Marvel Knights line and being the artist in the book, and it's just it's gorgeous. Um, it is, I probably would almost wouldn't put it on my suggested reading order or sort of suggested reading list because, um, you know, it's a very different type of Daredevil story, but it's also monumental, um, in terms of what it does to Daredevil. And it's so interesting because when you look at the kind of usually the top Daredevil stories, um, it is not a bullseye story. It's not a Typhoid Mary story. It's not a, um... Kingpin's story, it's, it's a mysterious story, like it's just such a messed up like, but it's its good and there's some really great beats and the artwork is just amazing and um, you know, obviously something happens with Karen Page and the sequence and the issue right after is just heartbreaking and emotional and um, I don't know if maybe has ever been as good as this um, just some of the storytelling and the choices and the art and it's so good Um, but like, you know, it's not necessarily indicative of a lot of how Daredevil usually reacts and acts, but it is important for what it does and the fact that it brought the character kind of back, um, revitalized him and made him fresh. Um, and then you have some really great storylines, you know, the next couple, year and a bit, I guess, um, you had a great, uh, Brian Michael Bendis kind of short kind of story for a couple issues. Uh, you have an issue, or sorry, guys. Uh, series with, uh, was it David Mack? Was David Mack writing Parts of a Hole? And then you, had, I can't even remember. I can't remember who was writing Parts of a Hole. Or was it? Anyways, I'm not remembering everything. But you had uh, the creation of the Echo character. But if you fast forward to Daredevil 26, you have the beginning of what I'm going to call the, mo- well, one of the modern eras of Daredevil. And this is would be on every, you know, if I was ever going to say, you know, you don't really like Daredevil, okay, this is where you really got to go. The others are great for understanding the world. Once you've understood the world, now you understand Daredevil. Let's go fucking bananas with it. Because you have a Brian Michael Bendis, still relatively early in his career, uh, especially when it comes to Marvel. Um, He comes on and he just absolutely redefines Daredevil. For me. Um, I was someone who, in the late 90s, I found those Daredevil visionaries by Frank Miller, I think I only ever had volumes two and three. I think it took me many years to get volume one, and then I realized he didn't read it, didn't write it anyway, so it almost didn't matter. Um, so I loved that. And I remember working at a grocery store, and uh, they still had comics back in those days. I don't anymore. Um, and in this sorry, did I say grocery. I meant drugstore. In this drugstore, I, I you know I saw this comic, and it was Guardian twenty six. And I think I might have read Guardian Devil at this point, and maybe parts of a whole in trade, but that was it. And I remember reading that issue. i was just like, oh my God, this is really good. And I remember, I think I read the next few issues, but because they weren't direct market, I couldn't get the direct market ones because they were all selling out because they were relatively low prints. And plus, you know, it was, people really started to talk about this book. I was like, I really like this. Um, but I, c- I couldn't get all the issues I was missing. So I'm like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to buy my first trade under Boss and then I'll start buying the single issues, and I did that for years. Uh, I bought the singles until I eventually stopped and kind of switched to trade because I just wasn't. Um, it was just different now. Um, but for a long time, like I was just so in on Daredevil, and I I really enjoyed Daredevil, and I think. But that was really what changed my appreciation for Daredevil for a long time is that Brian Michael Bendis run. It is absolutely phenomenal. The Alex Maleev artwork is gorgeous. Um, it redefines the character. Um, his world changes in ways that it hadn't really before and hadn't had to, um, the, the, you know, the villains aren't necessarily all great. Um, but it's, it's the feeling, it's the world, it's the atmosphere. Um, there is an issue in, I believe the end of Underboss. I'm trying to remember, um, which where Sammy Silk, um, a new low life who was introduced for this storyline has, uh, has turned himself into the FBI and he's telling this story. And the next issue, you have this guy waking up, you know, an FBI director at an office, come, you know, coming in the middle of the night, he's grumbling about it. He's like, you know, what, what am I coming in about? And you just have these analysts and these guys and these agents just saying like, there've been some developments and this issue is so good at, making you feel like every little piece of what's happening matters because, it's yes, it's about superheroes, but there's no superheroes in the comic at all. And the titular superhero is not in there at all. Um, it's all about, you know, and this is, you know, back when secret identities were still, like, I feel like there's less and less secret identities that are really out there in comics. I mean, there still are, um, but maybe less at Marvel, but more at DC. Um, but, um, you know, this is back before Captain America was, like, you know, everyone knew who Steve Rogers was because everyone just knows now. Um, that's that wasn't really the thing at the time. Uh, Iron Man now, everyone knows who who Tony Stark is. Um, Thor doesn't have a secret identity anymore, but like at the time, everyone had secret identities. So the fact that you had Daredevil, you know, potentially people figuring out his identity, and you know, again, the idea that you know King, Kingpin looks like he's dead. Everyone's going crazy. Um, someone's coming after all these guys who were behind the kingpins. You know, gutting. Um, this guy's you know wanting immunity. He's saying that Matt Murdock is, is Daredevil. Um, they start figuring out all these pieces. His, his file is you know claimed by Shield. Uh, his ex girlfriend was Elektra, and when she died, she died in his arms. Like they're figuring out all these pieces. And, uh, and there's this great shot where um, the director uh asks for a pen or a marker, and he starts he takes this shot of uh, Matt Murdoch that they have him file, and he starts shading it in as if it's got Daredevil's costume on it and it's just such a tremendous one issue um it's just it it, it reads like I'm watching extremely well done TV and you can feel the tension you can feel the pressure like well how are they going to get out of this um its. I'm not going to say everything but what happens in his storyline. I want to leave surprises for those who haven't read it, but, but you really should, because it's such a phenomenal run and in great fashion. And he did this knowing that the next right, who the next writer was and the next writer was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, when he left, he left with an amazing cliffhanger, um, which Ed Brubaker said, uh, yeah, I can deal with this. And, uh, his run in the book was absolutely phenomenal as well. Different. Um, some would say inferior. I don't think that's fair. I think, um, maybe, I I think it does more in some ways than the other, than Bendis did, because Bendis takes his time a little bit more and chews a little bit more on, uh, on his issues, and that sometimes makes the plot slow down. Now, I think when you're dealing with um, a storyteller like Alex Malev, and this is in the earlier stages of decompression becoming part of comics, I think it was easier to swallow, and I think it also just worked more with the vibe of the story that he was dealing with. Decompression works more sometimes and less than others uh, when you're ratcheting up tension and you're, you're, you're really trying to up the mental anguish and you have all these things kind of coming together it works, um, sometimes it doesn't here it does, uh, Baker's run was completely different um, it was, you know, it traveled a little bit more um, but I really enjoyed it, and again it led off with sorry, ended with uh, some great cliffhangers now, those would kind of be the two runs I'd like, you gotta read those um, then it goes into this kind of dark period, which is sad to say, like I kind of was done with Daredevil because I was not a huge fan. I think it was Andy Diggle, and it just wasn't for me. I wasn't really enjoying the storyline and you had this Shadowland crossover. Um although there were some good crossover elements in, in terms of the uh the different issues, but uh there's much of stuff that happened that I didn't really enjoy and uh, I didn't really like what had been done to the character and I was kinda of done and, they did the like Daredevil Reborn storyline. I was like, I'm not even going to buy this. And I, was, I was just, I was done. I kind of quit. Uh, I was done with Daredevil. And that was hard because, you know, I'd been with Daredevil a long time by then. I mean, I don't know if maybe it hadn't even been 10 years and I'm being overdramatic, but it just felt like I'd made an investment in the character. Um, I'd even gone back and bought like a ton of, I have, I think most issues in trade or single issue format. I mean, it, which means less now that epics exist. But at the time, like, I had single issues from, like, you know, the, uh, I guess just after the, the Frank Miller run, um, basically up to 300, I think. Like, if not even a little bit past that. Like, I, you know, I was making an investment in this character and, and having a lot of these appearances and these issues, and I really enjoyed them. Um, and then I, I just felt like Shadowland took the character away. And then Mark Wade came in and said, here you go, guys, I'm going to do something different. Um, I'm going to, you know, Daredevil's going to, on the first surface, look happier and not look as depressed as before, but it still has, it's still Daredevil. And uh, his run, and eventually he was joined by Chris Somnian Art, and uh, he wrote Daredevil, and then he wrote Daredevil again, another volume. Um, and it was it was such a phenomenal book. So he Daredevil is a character more so than most characters of Marvel and at other companies, has been blessed with long, amazing runs by creators, um, and I mean that because if, you, like, if you were to look at Amazing Spider-Man, besides ten years of Dan slot notwithstanding, you would be able to break down Amazing Spider-Man into bite-sized chunks. You know, you'd be like, "Oh, this," or you know, even the JMS years and the Slot years are the two long, and the Stanley years are, I guess, the longest kind of contingents. But otherwise, you have you know the Stern time, which is actually not that long. It's only like what two years. Um, you look at you know Tom defoco and Ron Friends. Well, it's what maybe two and a half years if you're not counting fill-ins. Um, David Michalini, I guess, probably did what seventy issues. So that's a, you know a few years. But like it, whereas with Daredevil, you have Frank Miller for what two years or so. You have you know then you then you have kind of the rough two years on and off of different artists or different writers, I should say. Then you have Born Again. Then you have a little bit, like maybe half a year of fill-ins. Then you had Andesenti for almost, you know, five years. Then you have David Chichester, and he's on it for at least three years, if not four. Um, then a little bit of fill-ins. Then you have, you know, like a, what, a half year of um, of Kevin Smith. And you then you have, like, you know, Mac. And again, you had a bit of a rotating you have rotating year and then you have Bendis for like five years and then you have Brubaker for years and then you have Diggle for a year, year and a half. And then you have Mark Wade for like, I think was like four or five years. I could be wrong. Maybe it was shorter. Um, and then you've had Charles Sewell lately. Um, so I just feel like more than anyone, he's had longer 10 years by writers and more than any character, I should say. Um, especially maybe Spider-Man was the worst example to use immediately, but, I mean, if you look at characters like Captain America, like how many different people have written Captain America and have not written that long runs, again, maybe except Ed Brubaker. <laughs> that guy gets around and does great runs. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, so if I was going to suggest people, you know, if I want to pick up Daredevil, Word I want to read, like, it, it's hard because I kind of want to say, well, you got to have Frank Miller. Uh, and then you could probably read, you know, um, Porn Again and then Follow the Kingpin and then you could kinda just read Guardian Devil, Bendis, uh Brubaker, and then I guess Wade and then Sewell, which is just basically sounding like I'm telling you to read everything. But the problem is you don't just have storylines. You know, he's not a character like Spider Man that you're just like, Well these collects you know, these storylines are gonna kinda give you what you need. Um you know, Bendis' Daredevil story is his entire run. Um, it's so hard to break it into pieces because of the way in which he wrote. Um, Baker's kind of the same way. I mean, you, hell, you can't even start his run without reading the end of Bensis. So you have to at least get some sort of framework for why this is happening. Um, I guess Mark Waid's is probably the easiest one to kind of just jump in fresh. Um, it kind of gives you what you need to work on. And that's a great, you know, solid, you know, as I said, a few years worth of stories. So I guess if, you, if you're looking for the the easiest, you know, more digestible, they don't need other stuff, but even then, you know, like you could probably just, if you knew who Daredevil was, you could probably read his Daredevil, uh, Mark Waid's Daredevil and be okay. Um, but it's hard to kind of look at suggested reading list that is smaller than, yeah, you should read this four years of a book. Well, that's uh, quite a little homework to teach. <laughs> um But, you know, I think Daredevil is just a character like that. Um, a character I love. Um, as I've said before on the podcast, my first real introduction to daredevil as a character um is not his best um it was uh an issue of amazing spider-man i believe it was four sorry 396 it was back from the edge part three of four um it was i guess two months removed from the beginning of the clone saga and uh it was spider-man wanting to figure out how to kill off the peter parker version of himself and daredevil as written there was basically telling him you know kill peter parker You know, put the, you know, just bury him and put some dirt over him and move on and just be the spider. And that's what I've done, basically. And although he kept saying, like, not admitting to Peter that he, you know, was who he was, um, and that he was Murdoch, and he was just not giving him that satisfaction. And it's just kind of crazy to read it now. And especially at the time when I first read that, I did not know what was going on with Murdoch, so it was kind of really cool and mysterious. And I read it and I'm like, man, what a dick. You could have just told him. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for listening to me prattle on for, oh God, almost 25 minutes. You can email us show at shenanigans at com. Like us on Facebook, rate new us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also listen to us on Stitcher. Next episode will be up in a couple of days. It'll be our reviews episode for releases from the week of, I guess it was, what, Wednesday, September the 5th, I want to say. Hopefully my voice will be a little bit more restored by that point. Uh, But otherwise, uh, thanks for listening to Commerce Shenanigans, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.